Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast. It's our hope that the next few moments lead you closer to Jesus, encourage you to grow, and equip you to exist for those not yet here. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that we can bring you fresh content every week as you continue in your walk with Christ. a favor in Phoenixville. I forgot to do this, but we got a bunch of friends watching in Montgomeryville and watching online. Let's make some noise and welcome them as well. It's great to be with you. Don't know if it's snowing there or not, but if you're at church, we're glad to have you with us. Today we get to end our sermon series, Make Your Move. Uh, next week, uh, I, I'm excited about next week. I get to, I've invited my father. My father was a pastor for 38 years uh, to preach next week, and so please be here. Uh, I, I'm really excited. I asked him last year around this time. Uh, he was supposed to preach quarantine happened, and so he had to preach in this empty room. And so uh, I've been waiting to have him come back. I wanted to make sure people were actually back at church, and I can't wait for you to hear him, him speak, man. There's nothing like hearing somebody speak that's been speaking for 40 years. Like, what hasn't he, he gone through? And uh, they're the reason this church is here. So if you have walked through these doors and this church has made an impact on you, uh, it was because of, of them. They started this church. They asked a couple people in their church to help financially get this young 25-year-old and his wife from Oklahoma uh, to Pennsylvania to start this ministry, and they are responsible for this life-giving church that is Journey. So if, you're, if your life has been impacted, it's been impacted because uh, of them. And so come next week and take a lot of notes, because I know he's going to have some great things to say, because he's old. And so anyway, <laughs> I'm just playing. And so... Uh, He's not here today, so I can say that. And so today, we're going to end our sermon series, Make Your, Make Your Move. And I want to talk to you about one of the smallest, biggest decisions of your life. The smallest, it seems small, but it's the biggest decision of life. You know what I'm talking about? Small decisions that lead to big improvements. I would call them, the, the, if you're a leader, you're looking for those small decisions, those upper edge decisions the, to get the upper advantage on people. If you're in business or whatever, you're looking for that 1%, right? This is one of those decisions that seems small, but it's really big. Let me give you some examples from my own life. A few years ago, small decision that was really significant. I get coffee at Dunkin' Donuts. You know, I love coffee donuts. I was getting iced coffees and I was in my 20s, going to my 30s, and I got in the habit of every day getting an iced coffee, double cream, double sugar, right? Double awesome, right? It was the type of coffee where you would, you would, you would drink the coffee out and out of the bottom of the, of the cup was, was sugar that was not fully mixed around. And you would get a sweet, a sweet swig of sugar particles in your mouth with the coffee. It was awesome, right? Like anybody else, do you know what I'm talking about? Have you ever done it? And I realized as I was going into my 30s, something was happening to my, to my pants. They were getting tighter. And so, so I had to make a decision, little decision. What's the little decision? It's probably stop drinking coffee or sugar in your coffee. I'm not going to stop drinking coffee. Come on now. I'm gonna drink. So I stopped getting sugar in my coffee, and it made a difference. It was, it was the weirdest thing. It was a small, big decision. Let me give you another one. Uh, life is moving at, at, at a pace that I can hardly keep up with. I, my, 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 my youngest son is seven. My oldest son is 13. I got five years till he's 18, and absolutely, I'm training him. When you're 18, you don't got to never come home, but you can't live here anymore. You got to go do something with your life, right? Like you're not going to be one of those 26-year-olds still figuring out your life. You're going to figure it out. I'm going to help you figure it out, right? So we're going to go that direction. So I realized, man, I got, I got a short time with him. Like, like I hope he gets, gets out of the house, gets a job, gets married young. Like I want, I want to have grandbabies young. Like I'm, I'm seven, eight, nine years away from, from that part of it when I get to mess a kid up and send him home, right? And so, 
So I realized how fast time is going. So we, we were like, man, our house is oftentimes filled with stress and uh, a lot of yelling to try to get our point across. And the kids are always acting out. And why are they acting out? We started taking this parenting class. And the parenting class said all kids want to feel belonging and significance. Belonging and significance, which by the way, that's all of us, belonging and significance. And so if they're, if they're acting out, it's because they don't feel as significant as they need to feel in the house. And so they're going to get your attention, whether it's either good or bad. So here's a little change you're going to make, this simple change, this parenting class. It's been amazing. I'm just a few, I'm few, few weeks into it. It said, the one thing you're going to do, everybody needs belonging and significance. So you every day are going to spend 10 minutes alone with each of those kids, which sounds really easy, but it's hard. When you get home at, at 5.30, sometimes you're like, Look, can we just, let's just do it all together. <laughs> let's do it all together. What do y'all want to do? Play Monopoly, right? You got 10 minutes. But man, when you start doing that, that 10 minutes, just 10 minutes, and you do things they want to do, not 10 minutes of reading, right? Not 10 minutes of, of cleaning or instructing or you know, leadership talks or whatever. 10 minutes of wrestling or 10 minutes of building Legos or 10 minutes of basketball or 10 minutes of throwing them on the bed. Or if you have a girl, whatever they like to do, maybe they like all those things, whatever that is, just 10 minutes a day. You start the timer, you show it to them. When it's done, you tell them, I had a really good time spending my time with you. It's over. Which seems really insensitive. It's made an incredible difference in my house. It made an incredible difference in my house. They're not fighting as much for attention because they know that 10 minutes is coming. A small, big difference. You see what I'm talking about? This is going to seem really, some of you are going to be like, this is really, this is what you're preaching on today. This is what you're going to talk about, but I'm going to share something with you. Some of you already are part of this. I'm going to share something with you that is 100% life-changing, and it is going to rail against this one common misconception. You ready for it? The happiest people on this earth think about themselves first and think about themselves most. The happiest people think about themselves first and think about themselves the most. And here's why I'm going to talk about this, because I've talked about decisions, and I guarantee you most of the decisions that we've talked about, the stopping, the starting, the staying, you are at the center of that. Like you are at the center of every one of those decisions. And so what I want to do is I want to take you out of the center of, that, of those decisions. And I want to show you one decision that will 100%. If you're married, it will change your marriage. If you're parenting, it will change you and your kids' lives. If you own a business, it'll change that. Whatever area, if you have anxiety and fear and addiction, this decision will change all of that. It begins to impact every area of your, of your life. Like some of you will come to marriage class and you're going to hear this again from me. I'm not going to give you five steps to this and five steps to that. I'm going to tell you this very specific thing will change your life forever. Some of you insecure and introverts, this decision will change your life forever. You see, you're one decision away from a completely different life all the time. This is the smallest, biggest decision you'll ever make. I want to drop you into a story in the book of Mark chapter 10. I love this story because it shows you the, the, the humanity of the disciples. Sometimes you look at people uh, that are in leadership in the church and you tend to believe things about them that are simply not true, right? Like if you're Catholic, you look at certain people, you're like, oh man, they have it all together, which if you ever, ever see this real, the real side of the Catholic church, you realize none of them have it together, right? But I'm trying to be really clear with you up here. Like I, I, some people put people on a pedestal that stand on the stage and I try to knock that pedestal down. I want you to know I'm exactly like you. We struggle with the exact same things you struggle with. Our marriage has problems just like your marriage has problems. I want to get rid of my kids sometimes just like you 
want to get rid of your kids sometimes, right? I want to quit my job. I worry about money. You know, sometimes I got to remind myself, you're a pastor. You can't respond like that on Facebook. And you can't say those words even under your breath. And I love when you read scripture that shows you that, that these people were just like us. Because sometimes you think of the disciples, you're like, man, those dudes, they had it all together. Like Jesus picked the best of the best. And then you hear this, this interaction, you're like, nah, they're just like us. They're just like us. Watch this. Mark chapter 10, verse number 38 says, then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Now, make sure you understand. There's 12 disciples. These are two of them. They come to Jesus and they say, we want you to do for us whatever we ask, which by the way, all of us do that with God, right? I'm in a room full of people. There's a lot of things going on in this room. God, if you could just forget about all them, my problems are probably the biggest today. I need you to do for me whatever I'm about to ask. And so Jesus says, what, what do you want? This is what they ask. Let one of us sit at your right hand and the other at your left hand when you come into your glory. You're going to start this kingdom. These 10 other guys are jokers. I want you to promise me that me and my brother get the best seats, right? We're fighting over shotgun here right now. We want the front seat. We want the, the best seat, the Bible says. Jesus said, can you drink of the cup that will be baptized with the baptism I'm about to be baptized with? And they say, yeah, we can, man. And Jesus answered them, you will drink of the cup and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with, but to sit at my right hand or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those whom have been prepared. Here's what he's telling them. You don't even know what you're asking for. I'm about to go down the cross. You're going to get to experience that type of death as well because you follow me, but you're not quite sure what you're asking for. You ever been there with God where you're like, God, I want you to use my life? That song we just sang is really catchy. I want to be tried by fire. Really catchy until you realize what that means. That means, that means God, I want you to put me through painful things so that you can purge me of the insecurities and the things that need to come out of my life and you can do what you want to do inside of me. God, I want you to take things away from me so that you can make something of me. God, you can do whatever you want. And a lot of times that's painful, by the way. I remember praying that. God, there was this one song in college. Sometimes the songs at chapel come back to me and it was, here am I, send me to the nations. I was singing it in the shower this week, just like that as an inheritance for you. And then the one thing, as an ambassador, I don't want to go anywhere else besides America. <laughs> Who are we singing this for? Unless it's, listen, unless it's Hawaii, Cancun, right? I feel called there sometimes. Sometimes I want to say, like that's a really scary place to be. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to give me an important place in your kingdom. And so Jesus keeps going. And here's what the Bible says happens. The Bible says in Mark 10 that the other 10 hear about this and they get mad. They're like, we never liked James and John. We never liked them in the first place. They didn't look right, Jesus. Jesus called them all together like a bunch of little kids. And he said this, he said, you know the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over you and the high officials exercise authority over you guys. You guys know how they act. He says, not so with you guys. Instead, whoever wants to be great among you must become your what? Everybody tell me. Your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be the slave of all. For the, even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, to give his life as a ransom for many. So our world would say, here's what you want to do. Ask God to fill you up. Ask God to make your life all about you. Ask God to fulfill all of your dreams. This is what you want God to do. If you fill yourself, you'll be happiest. I'll step back and I'll say the people that I've experienced that were all about themselves are some of the most insecure anxiety-filled, depressed, marital problems that can't seem to be fixed because it's the other person, unhappy, church skipping around. 
nobody ever meeting their needs, list could go on and on type of people. What I found on the other hand is the people who figure out this little change in their life, they become one of the most purpose-filled, secure, joy-filled, peace-filled people that I've ever met on this side of eternity. What's the difference? Some people want God to give them everything and some people have said, I'm not even gonna ask you for anything. I'm just gonna start to serve. I'm just gonna start to serve. And here's what the Lord has told me years ago. You build my kingdom, I'll build your life. Can I tell you that again? Because that was better than two hmms. <laughs> two people in the front row. It's like I pay them, right? <laughs> let, me, let me explain it to you. If you build God's, because all of us are worried about building this life and this retirement and all these things that we got to have to be happy. If you build God's kingdom, God will build your life. He will build your life. There you go. Uh, on belonging and significance. That seemed fake. <laughs> So let me just give you a few, a few thoughts on this, how to become a servant, how to become a servant. Some of you, listen, some of you already started this and you're going to be able to amen me. Some of you sitting back, not in this yet, and this is your wake up call. I'm sorry. Some of you have been coming to church your entire life and you have never heard a message like this before. You're new to journey. Uh, so you've never heard this. And I just want to tell you, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that the church has failed you in this area. I'm sorry that pastors have focused on just getting you into the seats and being happy with the crowd. I got to tell you something. We're not about building a crowd. We're about building a church. It's different. Church is on mission. Church has a bunch of people involved. Church is going after the lost people. Church is doing what Jesus called them to do. The crowd comes and takes. The church comes and dies, right? The crowd comes in and says, what about me? What do you have for me? The church comes in and says, let's go change the world. The crowd is filled with a bunch of people that are not fulfilling their potential. The church is filled with people that are filled with purpose. I can keep going all day if you want me to. Let me just give you a couple thoughts. Number one is this. It's how to become a servant. Number one, it begins with a decision. Here's why. Here's why. You ever notice if you have kids, they're not born servants? <laughs> right? Like some of you have kids, you're like, no, my kid is going to be, you know, just come out and love people. He's going to be like me. No, no, no. Let me tell you something about your baby. All they care about is themselves. That's it. You come out, they want what they want. Sometimes they want what they want. You give them what they want. They don't want that anymore, right? We are not born servants. It's a decision that you have to make. I can give you so many examples of my life. I have spent the majority of my life in correctional conversation trying to explain this truth to my sons. It is better to give than receive. It is better to serve others. It is better not to keep score. I know your brother played with that last and it's your turn, but it is better to let him play with it again because God can bless your life. You build God's kingdom, God will bless your life, which never gets an amen in my, in my family. They just go right over their head, all right? Like be a servant. I have spent the majority of my parenting career because I believe in this wholeheartedly, trying to teach them to be a servant. And I have so many examples when they make me laugh or cry. I remember a few years ago, Carter was taking uh, a class at school. Uh, I think it was in fifth grade, fourth grade, something like that. He was taking some kind of class on Greek mythology. And so he's learning about this, this, this stuff. And, you know, I know I'm, I'm a pastor and, you know, I'm a Christian. And so obviously we don't believe in the gods of the Greeks. And some of you would say, why would you let him get taught that? And I just want you to understand, I, I'm teach I let him get taught that so I can show him how ridiculous it is. And then I send him back into that school to change the world. That's why, that's why we, that's, that, 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 you can do whatever you want. That's how we're going to roll. We're going to go back into Phoenixville. We're going to change the world. Like, but he, he came home one day, and I'm a pastor. And so, you know, we, we got a problem with Satan. He's our enemy, 
right? One of the gods of Greek mythology, his name's Hades. He's kind of close to Satan. <laughs> and he comes home, he says, dad, I'm going to be in a play at school. We're going to do Greek mythology. And I said, okay, cool. I said, what part are you? He said, I tried out for the part of Hades. <laughs> and I said, come again, man. I'm a pastor. You're not supposed to try out for Hades. Hades is our enemy. Like, we got a problem with Hades. And he said, Dad, no, no, no. The reason I tried out for it is I, I love to talk in front of people, and he has the most lines. And I thought to myself, that makes sense, that Hades, which is like Satan, has the most lines because he loves to make himself all about himself and then teach people like you and me the best way to live is to make your life all about yourself. I was like, you're not being Hades. Go in there and stand up for Jesus Christ, right? I didn't say all that. I just think it's ironic that you come out and you're like, okay, someday I'm going to serve. Listen, you have to make a decision to serve. And it really starts with, with, with how you think, right? And I'm going to teach you something that my dad used to say to his church that I don't remember a lot of things he said, but he used to tell his church periodically because he was building this church and they were on mission. They were trying to seek and save the world. He used to say this to his church. He would say, I want you to repeat after me. So we're going to do this like my dad used to do. He would say this. He would say, it's not all about me. It's not all about me. The best way to live your life is to wake up every morning and say, it's not all about me. There you go. Kind of nailed that. I'm better than I thought, right? It's really important. It's a really important step because here's the thing. If it's all about me, I'll never get to see God working fully in my life. If it's all about me, I'll never get to see what God wants to do in and through my life. So one of the best things you can do, listen, it'll change your life if you're married. Why are you fighting? Because it's all about you. They didn't do what you want them to do. They didn't talk like you wanted them to talk. They didn't understand your mood. They didn't get your words. You didn't say any words, but they didn't understand your words, right? It's not all about you. If your kids are ticking you off and they're not doing what you want them to do and they're letting you down and they're embarrassing you, and they're, it's not all about you. If you go to church and nobody sees your potential and nobody recognizes you and you serve and nobody pats you on the back and says thank you, it's not all about you. It, it, it is the most freeing thing. And here's two things you do when you begin to live your life like that. Two decisions you make. First decision is you decide to quit making excuses. This is how you begin to serve. You decide to quit making excuses. Listen, there is no excuse that you want to say that is justifiable that will be okay someday when you stand before God. None. If you're a follower of Christ and you want to be great and you want God to use your life, you have to learn, make the decision to serve. So here's what I do with my, with my excuses, right? Uh, and the nicest way I can say it. What I do with my excuses is I think to myself, okay, the Bible says someday I'm gonna have to give an account of every empty word, and your excuses are empty, right? Every empty word that I've said before the Lord. So this current excuse that I'm making, do I want God to listen and then ask me about it someday? And if I don't, I should stop saying it. So time, kids, no talent, not to want to do, insecure, don't like people, blah, 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 empty words. I don't want to say this to God someday, so I should probably stop saying it right now. I'm going to make the decision. Number two, I'm going to decide to stop missing opportunities. That's it. I'm going to make the decision, and I'm going to stop missing opportunities to serve others. Listen, I was, I was there with you years ago. I grew up in church. I didn't know about serving. I thought church was you come, you go to youth group, you play chubby bunny, go to youth camp, 
You don't, you don't listen to bad music. You burn your CDs if they have bad words in it. You listen to Carmen, DC Talk, Michael W. Smith. You get eggs for Easter. They do the resurrection story. Some dude dies on a cross on your stage. Act out crisp. Like this, this was crazy. Do a cantata, sing. This was church for me. Serving was not part of it. Seeking the world was not part of it for me. And I went to Bible college and I didn't even go to church, y'all. I was going to school to be a pastor. I went to chapel every day. So I was like, I don't need to go to church on Sunday. I'm in chapel. I got enough Jesus. I'm getting more Jesus than I have ever got. I don't need to go to church. Why do I need to go to church and sit? Which, by the way, if all you do is go to church and sit, why do you go to church? Why? Why? I'm just going to ask you. Maybe nobody's ever. Why do you come sit in a big, dark room and listen to some dude yell at you and some people sing with you, sit to you? Right? Why? Why? That's the, we should just ask our question. I, I remember I wasn't serving. I was hiding. On, on Sunday morning, they would come around and they would kick you out of your dorm because they wanted you to go to church. And I would hide in my closet so they wouldn't find me or I'd find a different thing. Then I would go get donuts. And I was a senior. I was still doing the same garbage. I remember the Lord spoke to me. He said, listen, first time I could remember him, like not audibly, but I could feel his presence. And he said, he said if you expect me to give you a job in my, one of my churches, when you graduate, you are sadly mistaken. <laughs> If you don't get involved in church, you're never going to get a job. So I was like, I better go to church. I better figure this out. So I went to this board that had these opportunities. The opportunities were to serve and be a part of different churches. And I picked this church out. The reason it caught my eye is because the opportunity was to be a coach of their sports teams. I was like, that's me. I can't sing. I can't preach. You know, I can't play any instruments, but I, 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 can, I can do sports. And so I went to this, interviewed 45-minute drive, Seagullville, Texas, met this pastor, sat with him. It was an opportunity to, to do their, their sports teams, this little Christian school, flag football, basketball. I was like, this will be great. He, I was like, what's the pay? You know, the pay is $150 a week. I'm like, sounds good. I'm like, I want this job, $150 to play, play flag football and dominate high school kids in basketball. I'll take it, right? And he's like, oh, yeah, one more, one more thing. I was like, what's the one more thing? He was like, you got to be the janitor, too. And I was like, well, I'm going to school to be a pastor. Here's my, here's, and I don't, I don't think the Lord has called me to be a janitor. <laughs> he said, that's part of the job. You want it or not. I felt the Lord say, you need to take the job. And I got to tell you, when I took that opportunity, it didn't feel like an opportunity at first. It felt like an obstacle. When I walked into those bathrooms and those stalls, that didn't feel like an opportunity. That felt like, like a movie, like a scary movie, <laughs> right? And I remember in the middle of it, this, 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 moment happened where it just shifted and it was like man what an amazing opportunity i have cleaning these bathrooms interacting with these kids these young men many of them don't have boys driving a church van with 15 of them in the back to different games you know listening to music talking about girls and you know all those other things what an opportunity that i had and man it was up to this point even the most fulfilling year that i've ever had in ministry and i got paid i'm pretty sure it was against labor laws you, you, you got to seize the opportunity. You got to stop making excuses. You got to make the decision. Let me just give you a few more thoughts. Laura, you can come up because these are going to go fast. Uh, number two, this is really cool. Watch what happens. You make the decision, it bursts a desire. You, you make the decision and it bursts a desire. And here's why I need to tell you this, because some of you are like, I don't feel like serving. I don't want to get up early. I don't want to be nice. I'm going to go get eggs today and milk. It's going to be packed. I don't want to park far away. I don't want to let somebody in front of me outline. I don't want to serve. I don't feel like it. I get it. But when you make the decision, here's what happens. A desire begins to be birthed in your life. In other words, doing breeds desire. Let me prove it to you. How many of you 
uh, last year, and I want you to raise your hand, said you're going to change the way you eat. How many, right? And then, and then it was time to change the way you eat. You're like, I'm going to change it tomorrow. I'm going to change it tomorrow. Okay, this is the last cookie I'm going to eat, right? And you never change it. Why don't you change? Because, listen, because you don't have the desire. You're like, ah, I don't feel like it. I'm going to wait till I feel like it, and when I feel like it, I'll make the change. But you know if you wait for your feelings to catch up to what you're supposed to do, you never really do what you're supposed to do. So instead, you're going to make the decision. Here's what's so cool. That decision begins to birth the real desire in your life. You ever hear the, the thing, sometimes you got to fake it? So you make it. That happens in almost every, every step of your, of your walk with Christ. Nobody ever feels like tithing. Nobody feels like, like getting rid of something so they could do what God has called them to do. You begin to do it, and all of a sudden when you begin to do it, it bursts something inside of you. And, and I love this truth because some of you are like, I don't feel like doing it. But you begin to do it, and then, then there becomes nothing more fulfilling and thrilling than being able to serve other people. It's the weirdest thing. There becomes nothing more thrilling, nothing you look forward to more. Some of you are like, I don't want to go to church. It's so boring. You know why it's boring? Because you're sitting on the sideline watching all the action. It's boring like that. I want to play the game. I want to mean something. I want to matter. I want to belong. I want to feel significant. I want to know that my time in this church and on this earth has mattered. And something happens when you begin to serve. One of my favorite moments of scripture is the disciples come back to this well. Jesus has been hanging out with this woman. He's talking to her. He's changing her life. And they come back and they've gone to get lunch. And they bring Jesus some food back. And he's like, I'm not hungry. What do you mean you're not hungry, right? What do you mean you're not hungry? He's like, man, my, 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 my hunger, it, it's filled up by doing the will of God. In other words, what I just did here at this well with this woman has left me fulfilled. Like, let me, some of you are like, I love sleep. This is the only day that I get to sleep. Every other day I got to get up early. I don't want to come serve. I got to sleep. And then somebody else, same boat, they started serving. They're like, this is the only day I want to get up. This is the only day that I want to get up. This is the only day that I look forward to because I get to come and I get to be part of something bigger than myself. It births a desire in your life. Let me just show you two more steps. Number three, it bridges your design. Here's, here's what I found out. When we give our lives, we find out who we really are. That's what Jesus said in Matthew 16. He says, for whoever wants to save their life, they lose it. Whoever loses their life for me, they find it. Something significant happens. Here's what's been one of my favorite moments. Here's why that we built the church the way we built it. Because when we started this church, uh, I started it in response to not liking church. So sometimes when, you, when you're a part of something and you don't feel like you're actually a part of it, you just make your own trail. You know what I'm talking about? So I didn't get it. I'm like, no, I don't, don't want to do a church of gimmicks and I don't want to give stuff away and I don't want to applaud people for doing the things they're supposed to do. I just want to build this church on, on serving in the gospel and we're going to let Jesus do what he does. And that's what we've done for 15 years straight. Just, just teach people about serving and go. And one of my favorite parts about this is I'll see people, some of them come you know, and they're, they're really hesitant to serve. And then it takes some time. And then they start serving and you see this shift in their spirit. And it's not because of journey uh, or, or because of some gimmick that something just changes in them and they start to see things and things are revealed in their life that they didn't know were there. God begins to bring things out of them that they didn't think they could do. And there's some of you that you're like, God, I want you to use my life and God wants to use your life, but he can't use your life until you lose your life. 
He can't, he can't pull out the gifts that he's put inside of you until you come to the conclusion that you're gifted, but you're not the gift, right? You have talents, but you're not the talent. In other words, it's not all about you because if he reveals those to you before you're serving and putting other people first, guess what happens? The spotlight on you is greater than the servant's heart inside of you and it crushes you. It crushes you. You begin to think it's all about you. And the Bible says when we become prideful that God will quickly humble us. But when we stay humble, God can lift us up. And the last thing that happens, this is, this is really cool, that is so encouraging, is uh, when you begin to step in and you, and you birth the desire and design starts coming out of your life, one of the coolest things you get to be a part of is it actually builds a destiny. And here, here's what I mean by that. Uh, your, your life as you live it currently, outside of serving and living for other people, uh, it dies with you. It dies with you. In other words, nobody cares how much money you made. Nobody. Nobody cares how, much, how many things you had behind your name, how big your house is, how white your walls are, how what kind of car you drove. That, that, those things in the scope of eternity mean absolutely nothing. We overvalue them because we live here and most of us focus all of our energy on, on right now. But in the scope of eternity, the life that we live outside of God Man, it, it's empty. You see, you see what I'm talking about? Like, it's, it's empty. But when you give your life to God and you begin to step outside of yourself and you begin to serve, you get to be part of something that's everlasting. I think about this often. There's going to be people in our church that have parked cars and, and serve in some capacity that won't know on this side of eternity what that impact was. But when they get to heaven, they will. Like, there's going to be, there's going to be somebody, just, just an example, uh, that I've imagined in my head, but there's going to be somebody who parked a car today. It's cold outside. Like I was following the parking lot guys off first service, and I felt the Lord tell me to stop at the door. <laughs> Don't, eh, never mind. <laughs> you shouldn't go out there. You're too soft. And so, <laughs> but there's going to be some, some person that was out in that parking lot today that unknowingly parked somebody. And that, that person came here uh, broken and hurting wondering if God loved them and you will have parked them and even behind your mask you were smiling and greeting them you were smiling so big your eyes were smiling and you will you will have softened that 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 worry that fear and you'll be the first face that they see when they walk into this building and they're met over and over and over again by people who want them to see that God loves them Maybe they brought their kids with them here today and their kids walked into a classroom and one of you got to watch their kids, but not only watch their kids, but tell their kids about Jesus and something changed inside of their kids. And someday, someday you're going to get an eternity and God's going to say, there's that, that person you parked. You didn't know it was such a big deal, but because you stepped outside of yourself, this is your destiny. Oh, and by the way, uh, we're, we're all here, but their son, their daughter, let's, let's open up the heavens. Let's look down. Uh, they're, they're preaching to a crowd right now of people and saving souls because you taught them in that class that Jesus loves them and has a big plan for their life. All because somebody parked the car. See what happens? Your life becomes significant. And it's outside of church. You can go tutor a kid after school. You can, you can pull somebody's, push somebody's cart back for them at Giant or wherever you go to shop. You can let somebody go in front of you. You can tip somebody bigger than they deserve because you've been given more grace than you deserve. You can serve. And when you serve, listen, it's the one small decision that makes the biggest difference in your life. So this is what I want to do. We're going to close in prayer. I want you to stand to your feet all over our house. And 
I want you to stand to your feet in Montgomeryville. And uh, sometimes I tell you to bow your heads and close your eyes, but that's not the first step today. I just want you to, to just look at me for a second. Some of you already serve. You're already a part of this. And uh, that's awesome. Some of you don't serve and you've been, you've, you, you've been, you're going to come to Welcome to Church Night. And if you've never been to Welcome to Church Night, you know we shake you down at Welcome to Church Night, right? Like that's what happens. I'm not, not bringing you in and like giving, like try, I'm, I, I, we're bringing you in and I'm trying to tell you, here's the mission. Time is short. We've been here for such time as this. Now sign up or go somewhere else. And that's, that's, that's it. That's, that's exactly how we handle it. And here's why we do that. Because if you don't, number one, you're going to end up being mad and bitter and resentful and you're not going to reach your potential. And I hate when I, my kids don't reach their potential, I get mad. And so I don't want to be responsible for the Lord looking down at you and go, you're not reaching your potential. Why haven't you said anything to them? Why have you said anything to them? And the other thing is, is the Lord has so many more people to save. And if you just sit, sit, sit and never serve, 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 you're in the way of somebody sitting and getting saved. So we would say like this, like we need your seat. What that means is that you're not unimportant. You're needed right now. You're, you're needed. Some of you don't serve yet. You've been coming to church for a couple of weeks. Some of you have been going to church for years. You just ended up here because you were mad at your other church because they wouldn't open. And that, I'm not saying that that's either right or wrong or good or bad or whatever that's up that's up to you but what i am saying is some of you went to other church you didn't serve some of you grown up in church you'd never you never heard a message like this before and you're like well, i didn't know i was supposed to do that but i'm ready to be a part of that some of you've been here this is like your first week and you're like my gosh <laughs> but you know the lord's speaking to you like, you know the Lord's speaking to you. For us personally as a church, God is doing incredible things in our church. Last week, uh, when, when we had second service, we had over 100 kids in Journey Kids just in second service. That's a lot of kids. Just so you know, when we're not socially distanced, we're, we're at a limit of about 80 back there. So we're 20 people over where we, we should be on a Sunday morning. So we know we're about to start a fourth service. Uh, we're about to do that coming up in Easter. We know that's coming. We, we know we got to make more room. To make more room, we got to add to the army. And so here's what we're going to do. I'm not going to ask you to pray about it because that's what Christians do to get out of stuff. <laughs> we'll pray for you, right? Next time somebody says they're going to pray for you, just say, okay, let's do it right now. They'll never say that again, right? Gentlemen, gentlemen, take your phones out. Everybody take your phones out. If you serve, just take it out, either, just so you're participating with me. And they're going to put a number up on the screen. Here's the number. You're just going to take your, your, your text, your, your, your phone out, and you're just going to text 25827 in the word serve, and we're going to do all the rest for you. Simple. Simple. 25827, serve. First service, 15 new people signed up to serve just in Phoenixville. So you're not alone, right? God's doing incredible things. Hold on, let's bring it up one more time because I know somebody saw it and was like, it's down already 10 seconds. You're going to text serve the 25827. Serve the 25827. You're just going to take your phone out and do it. Some of you are just still looking at me. You're like, I'm not going to do it. That's fine. We're going to do it one more time. Take it one more time. Because <laughs> the Lord is speaking. He rose on the third day, right? The third time. Third time's charm. Serve 25827. Someone say, why, why are you doing this? Listen, we don't need you to serve. We don't need you to serve. I want you to serve. I want you to be a part of the Lord working through your life. I want you to be a part of making a difference. I don't need you to serve and we don't need your money. We are not motivated by that. The Lord will build his church. The Bible says the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I just want to build a church. I want to build a church that's historical. Amen. I want, to build, I want to build a church that passes on real faith to the next generation. Amen. You can't pass on something you're not. Don't pass on coming to church. Pass on being the church. Amen? Amen. 
Let's bow our heads and close our eyes all over this house. And to some of you, you didn't, you didn't text yet, but you still have your phone in your hand. So you can just put your head down and pretend like your eyes are closed and you can just pull out your phone again. <laughs> and you can just text serve 25827. Super simple. But I, I went, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of harping on this, but I need you to understand something. Uh, if you are not a part of this church and you're here today and this is like your first or second Sunday and man, you, you came just because you were desperate and lost and you're like, man, you're really harping on this one topic. I need you to understand the reason we serve is you. It's you. The reason people showed up here early, the reason people stood in that parking lot, the reason somebody made coffee, the reason people are watching kids back there unpaid, not even their own. The reason somebody pass, passes out earplugs and everything else that happens on, on our church is because we want to be the type of church that shares the message of Jesus long before the message ever starts. And here's the message I hope you heard loud and clear today. Listen, there is a God that deeply loves you. That long before you were thinking about him, he was thinking about you. And he is ready and waiting to have a relationship with you. He wants you to know him. He wants to change you. He wants to set you free. Listen, this God wants to heal you. Some of you, you walk through this life with bitterness and resentment, insecure, trying to prove somebody wrong. The Bible says that you can become full in Christ. You can have your identity filled in him. You can find security. You can find value. That sense of belonging and significance is found in Jesus Christ. And listen, we have only, we only want to be a church that represents that love, that compassion, and that hope. So I hope that you felt that from the moment you got here today. I hope that you know how much God loves you. I hope that you know how much he wants to have a relationship with you. Like he, he, he died for you on a cross so that he could have a relationship with you. So that your sin would not separate you from him. That you could become a brand new person. And that God, he's here. Bible says we're two or more gathered both here in Montgomery and even online we're two or more gathered in the name of Jesus uh, that he shows up and he does and accomplishes profound things life-changing things he sets people free he heals marriages he comforts those who need comforting he gives hope and restores people that feel broken and lost man I love being a part of a church that gets that we don't serve to get something for God. We serve because God loves us so much that we want other people to know about that love. We want other people to experience that. And so we're going to pray as we close. And some of you, you, you know, like something has been shifting in your heart right now. Something's been changing since I've been speaking, since they've been singing, friend. Since the music started, since you walked even in the doors, something was happening, something. The Bible calls it a knocking at the door of your heart. It's God saying, I want to have a relationship with you. I want you to know me and know that I know you and love you. I'm not embarrassed and ashamed of you. You're my kid. And I got a good purpose-filled plan for your life. That's God speaking that to you today. And the Bible says if you would humble yourself before God, what is that? You would call on him that he would come into your life and he would save you. He would set you free. He would forgive you. He would begin to give you a purpose and a future. That's what happens when you come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. So here we are in this moment. Nobody's looking around. Somebody's still typing about serving or thinking about it. You can keep doing that. You're in Montgomeryville. You're here. You're watching online. We're going to pray as we close. And you know that I'm talking to you. 
You know that I'm talking to you. And you are ready to walk into a relationship with God, ready to say, here I am. Listen, I'm not going to pray a long prayer and call you forward, but I think something significant happens when you realize this is my moment and you make a stand. A stand of surrender and availability. And so here I am. This is my moment. Jesus, I want you to come into my life. I've never been here before, but I've been in church my entire life, but I am not convinced that I am fully devoted to my walk with Christ. And today I want to give him my life. I want to call on him. If that's you all over our houses, if you're online, I'm going to ask you in a second, and you can just respond to the moderator by saying, that's me, or putting a hand emoji up. But if you're here right now, if you're in Montgomeryville, and you would say, that's me, I want a relationship with Jesus Christ, that's what I've been missing. That's what I need. I'm going to call on him right now. If that's you all over this house, all over Montgomeryville, come on, would you just begin in faith and encourage to shoot your hand towards heaven and say, hey, pastor, you're talking to me right now. I can feel God speaking and moving in my life. And today I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. There's a hand right there. Is there anybody else? There's a hand right here. Yes. Hand over here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hand all the way in the back, back here. Come on, if you're online, you're just going to let us know that's me, Montgomeryville. Just keep your hand held high, and they're going to let me know another hand over here. Come on, church, let's keep clapping. What a day for somebody. Everything changes when we come to faith in Christ. Come on, let's begin to pray. Lord, we love you, and we are grateful for any time that we get to be in your presence. Lord, we're honored that you work through this church. We're honored that you work through our heart of, of, of compassion and our acts of service, Lord. And we don't do those things to earn your love. We do those things because you love us. And because you love us, we deeply and desperately want other people to know about that love. What does that love do? That love changes us. That love restores us. That love redeems us. That love sets us free. That love forgives us as far as the East is from the West. That love fills us with joy, unspeakable joy, the Bible says, and gives us a peace that surpasses all understanding. And so we're grateful for that love that you're giving to people right now. The Bible says if you would just call on the name of the Lord, that you'd be saved. And so they're just saying yes to you, Jesus. And as you come in, Lord, you're going to begin to reveal yourself to them. Lord, you're going to allow them to develop a relationship where they trust you and they hear you and they understand you. And as that happens, they'll begin to follow you. And the best days of their life are still far out ahead of them. And we're excited about that, Lord. We're excited for all that you continue to do in this church and through our lives. What an honor it is to be used by you. What an honor it is to be used by you. Jesus, we love you. We love you. Thank you for loving us more than we deserve. In your name we pray. One more time, church. Let's shout amen. Hey, do me a favor. Let's make some noise for somebody in Montgomeryville. Yeah. Somebody online. That's great. Hey, listen, before you leave, first or second time, uh, when you leave this place, when you walk out our doors, we have a gift we would love to get into your hands. We don't want anything from you. Uh, we just have a gift. So first time guests go to your right, second time guests to your, to, to your left. Stop there. Only take a moment. Also, uh, if, you, if you didn't hear my last thing, maybe you were sleeping uh, and you didn't hear me, just take your phone out. Text serve 25827. You're going to hear that in your sleep tonight, some of you. You're going to see that on your radio. Somebody's going to text that to you. Serve 25827. We're leaving. It's time to go. Let's go be the church we're supposed to be. This is your church. You know I'm going to say let's go. What are you going to say, Journey Church? That, goes, that means just go do what you're supposed to do. Be, be the hands and feet of Christ. Let's go. You guys have a good week. Thank you for taking a few minutes out of your day to listen to our podcast. If you decided to give your life to Jesus after hearing this message or want to learn more about how you can join us in person, 
Visit jrny.church for more resources or to find a location near you. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you.